Hello, welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, audio only edition, 24 hours after Arizona upsets Philadelphia. Johnny Venerable, Bo Brock still taking in, Bo, the emotions from Arizona's fourth win of the season, the upset special in Philadelphia, led by Jonathan Gannon, Kyler Murray. It's uh, It's been a whirlwind, man. None like I think we've had all year. Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, and you saw the postgame comments from Jonathan Gannon on Sunday, subdued, just like most every post-win press conference that he's had, you know, crediting his players, crediting the process and how, you know, it's it's not so much the results of, of the, the process paying off. But talking to him on Monday, you know, Jonathan Gannon acknowledged that, you know, the guys went out there and probably played with a little extra oomph, I think, as he said, like, the guys got up for it. just like he kind of equated it to when they went into Pittsburgh and guys wanted to go play a little bit harder and win one for James Conner in his return to play against the Steelers. And it was kind of nice, refreshing to hear JG kind of at least acknowledge the, the big pink elephant in the room. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's obviously like this team, this win, like somebody added me today on Twitter or maybe even the YouTube comments uh, saying like people aren't going to remember this game next year, and like that might be so. Like people aren't going to be say, "Hey, you remember where they where you were when Cardinals won their fourth game uh, in Week 17 against the Philadelphia Eagles?" But this one was big as far as this culture change continues, right? And emphasizing and solidifying the processes being in pl- put in place, and people bu- continuing to buy into this culture shift, this culture shock uh, as they they pivoted from you know, a rudder of the ship last year hit the reset button and, and people are fully bought into what Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Ford are selling. Yeah, I think it's well said. It's a culture builder. It's an identity for this team. I mean, like the, running the football like they're doing, I put up a stat on Twitter today and there are three victories against these big boy teams, Pittsburgh, Dallas, and Philadelphia. They've got almost two, 600 yards rushing, 5.5 yards per clip, five rushing touchdowns. And like the fact that like they're winning these kind of games late in the season. And, you know, I scoff at anybody who, who says Dallas, excuse me, Philadelphia didn't have anything to, to play for. They're trying to win the division. They're trying to get a home playoff game. And the Cardinals, assuming nothing crazy happens week 18, like they robbed them of that opportunity. And, you know, there are a lot of really poorly run organizations in the NFL that have great talent that do not win. And I say that. Not to, you know, rain on anybody's parade that once Marvin Harrison Jr., you know me, Bo, the biggest Marvin Harrison Jr. stand was fully bought into to that becoming a reality. And that that is greatly challenged now by the fact they won that game. And I admit that. But in exchange, you have to make this game count and matter. And I think they will. In exchange, if you don't get Marvin Harrison Jr. as a result of winning this game and you're pushed down to four or where, wherever you may pick, but in return, you get clarity that, Kyler Murray is, is your franchise quarterback, and he can build off this performance. If, if you get clarity that Jonathan Gannon and Austin Ford know what the hell they're doing and people want to come play for this organization, like I, I think that, that that just means more. Like you, if, if you buy into these people that are involved with this operation, and it's always about GM, head coach, quarterback, if you've got all three of those, you can build a championship mm-hmm. roster. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. or not, Joe Alt or not, whatever you want to say. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like this franchise and I've been following this team my entire adult life. I'm 35 years old. They have never looked like 
what they look like right now. They've never had a run game like this. They've never been set up for a monster offseason like this before with multiple first round picks and all this cap space and all this clarity. And I'm, you know, PFF grades are not the end all be all. I'm looking up the PFF grades and it's like their best players are their young players, their rookies, Trey McBride and Kyler Murray and Paris Johnson. BJ Ojolari was their highest graded, you know, front seven defender yesterday. And you look at Philadelphia and it's got star players everywhere. Yeah. And they they were made basically irrelevant, especially on the defensive line. So I I just to me, we can romanticize prospects. We're going to do it all offseason. Like as a football fan and rooting for this franchise, watching that game with your eyes yesterday, especially that second half, if you're not taken away emotionally by what was on display by Gannon and Kyler Murray, like I don't. I don't even know why you follow this franchise. You follow the NFL. If you didn't feel something yesterday, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. No, I mean, it's 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 like you would be rooting for a racer that at, at some point during the race took its foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would root for that. Like, I think especially when you're rooting for a team in an organization, like you want the people in place, especially the decision makers that give a shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Not like when the lights are bright, when it's, you know, game day or when it's, you know, it's the draft, you know, three day swing or, or free agency or whatever. But Lonnie Osford and Jonathan Gannon give a shit every single day, every yeah. single second, every single minute, every single hour. It's, I mean, and, and it's proof, right? And it is resonating in this team. And just think about it on the flip side, right? Kyler Murray goes out there in the second half after a pretty lackluster first half, still moved the ball in the first half, right? But they had the red zone woes. Kyler Murray goes in there in this offense. They score on their first three drives. If he gets the ball in his hands like he did in Sunday's game and doesn't deliver, what's the conversation about Kyler Murray on Monday? If Kyler Murray doesn't deliver, you know, the the big 36-yard play to Greg Dorch to put him in striking distance to where James Conner scores the touchdown, the go-ahead and winning touchdown, you know, what are the, what's the conversation? Because I don't think it's as uh, definitive is the conversation that we've had, you know, in the post game. And I think that we're having today in, in the comments that we heard from, from Jonathan Gannon, like Kyler Murray went out there and made himself undeniably won that football game with the rest of the offense, the defense, like the Cardinals went in there as a three win team, a rebuilding team, one of the worst rosters in the league. And they beat a team in a Super Bowl window. Like you yeah. can say what you want about Philadelphia, like they're they're as fraudulent as they come. But they were a team legitimately. They went. They were they were you know a couple of plays away. They were a, a, a penalty flag away against Juju Smith Schuster and James Bradbury last Super Bowl from winning that game. Their window is open. They, what people perceived as they improved their roster, but obviously we know what happened as far as the coaching staff. And they went in and they beat them. They outright beat them in regulation. They gave, like, before the, the seconds ran off the clock and the clock hit zeros and the final whistle blew, the the Arizona Cardinals, they took the first lead of the game with, what, 23 seconds left and walked out of there with a W, with a severely, with, with, with a talent disparity. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a bigger talent disparity in, in an NFL game that, that ended like that. I can't. I can't remember a game with the talent disparity being so dramatic. Like, especially on the the offensive personnel versus the Cardinal defensive personnel, 
And the fact that Philadelphia couldn't score at the end of the game, right before Arizona scored the go-ahead touchdown, Philadelphia had to kick that field goal. Mm-hmm. That that is the the most like biggest indictment of Sirianni and company, and the biggest coup for Nick Rallis and Jonathan Gannon. Like you've got Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson and Dennis Gardeck snuffing out negative plays, forcing Philadelphia to kick a field goal, and you've got Hall of Fame level players on Philadelphia's offensive line. And the Cardinals are legitimately playing with eight guys on defense that probably won't start for them or won't be on the team next year. I mean, that, it's it's unbelievable. And I just back to the to your point about Kyler Murray and the narrative around him. Shouldn't he had he had he not completed the comeback? I, you know, I put this on Twitter and I just was interested because you you had mentioned on the post game show yesterday that Kyler was right around twelve touchdowns for the year, and I'm like that seems pretty pretty solid because you know it's they, they've gone three and four now and, and some games have been better than others obviously there, there was the you know the clunker in Chicago and uh, ups and downs against Houston but like this is projected over 17 games and keep in mind the the Cardinals have faced the hardest strength of schedule since Kyler Murray has come back easily in the NFL it's almost like 600 the strength of schedule it's insane mm-hmm. he's gonna have if you project out that this middling team with a quarterback coming off an ACL tear against this brutal schedule, Kyler Murray projected over 17 games. His his statistics this season, 29. So almost 30 touchdowns, 4,200 total yards. And there are people that are clamoring for this guy to be, to be gone. If he plays 17 games next year, if he's healthy for the entire year, they are making the playoffs. He's having 35 to 40 touchdowns. He's having maybe 5,000 total yards. Mm-hmm. Against a fourth place schedule, the Cardinals' schedule home and away came out today. It is like infinitely easier right now than whatever they face this year. There's no AFC North. There's no NFC East. I mean, he's not going to be throwing fourth place teams, right? He's yeah. not going to be. He's not going to be only throwing your Greg Dorch next year. I can tell you that. I mean, it, it just. Let me let me read just that line. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thirty-six hundred passing yards. 24 touchdowns, seven picks. And then as far as the rushing totals go, uh, pretty high, 820 and five touchdowns. But if you look at the total numbers as far as passing yards, rushing yards, total touchdowns, I mean, that that's pretty damn close as far as yardage in, in total touchdowns uh, that, you, that you extrapolated from a 17-game season for Kyler Murray. Do you know who the quarterback is? Uh, is that Lamar? It's Lamar Jackson. Probably the rushing total eight. gave it away. Yeah. And I also looked at Justin Fields' numbers earlier today, and Justin Fields has 14 touchdown passes today, this year, by the way. 14. <laughs> and there are people, like, it, it, I get it. Like, yesterday was affirmation or confirmation, you and I, what we knew all along, what we feel like we knew all along. You're a practice every day. Mm-hmm. I've seen him live plenty of times. He just he's a special talent and you've got people who can harness that ability now if you punt on him for a non-sure thing like this this franchise you are buying into the narrative this franchise doesn't know what the hell they're doing yeah i mean gannon talked today and he was asked about you know what makes kyler great kind of give him gave a full scouting report of kyler murray this is what he said. Take me too long. Um, I think um, you know everything that you want out of a quarterback: command, um, 
competitiveness, uh, then when you talk about the skill set, uh, accuracy, decision making, arm talent, then you go, when that doesn't happen, ability to extend plays. Um, and he sees the game, he's never sped up. So he sees it, you know, extremely fast, extremely quick. He's not sped up. And, and honestly, I think that it will improve as we move forward because he's eight weeks into a system. So I think sky's the limit. You know, Kyler Murray, what you hear from Jonathan Yan is the complete te- package, right? I mean, and he, and he says, basically what's scary about this is he's eight weeks into learning a system and, you know, he, he still hasn't put it all together. I mean, Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. Like you've, you've pointed this out and been pretty steadfast with it. Like he, he's all in and Kyler Murray, Jonathan Gannon is. And, you know, he's under contract. Like the easiest path forward is, is moving forward with number one at quarterback. Just seems like, you know, yesterday was the performance that you needed to kind of just put people at ease. It wasn't necessary. I mean, at the end of the day, they probably were going to make, you know, move forward with the incumbent just because it made more sense. Uh, And all the variables that went into it, you know, contract, you know, trying to find a potential suitor, you know, what would you do in the draft? What do you do with with the rest of the roster? Just makes more sense. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be in a position like where he's going to have probably a better, even better offensive line, uh, better complement of skill players. Yeah, it, and he's going to have a better grasp of this. Of, of as you said on on the post game, he's going to have a full off season to even acclimate even more to this Drew Petzing's offense. There's some really good clips. Bar guy Brian Baldinger on Twitter, one of them caught my eye of just like Kyler Murray on. I think it was like the first play of the game that end or, or that play action to Trey McBride and Kyler Murray's under center. And he hides the football behind his back and he draws Philadelphia. They they all go to James Conner in the play action and he hits, you know, Trey McBride for a big gain. And it just, it just, I think people, you know, we all have, have love affairs with certain players and we maybe all disdain for others and we create narratives and everybody could be more objective. Certainly I could. And it's just like, just watch him play, watch him operate. This guy was literally on, on crutches and couldn't walk this time last year. Mm-hmm. And now he's back beating Philadelphia with a team that I think everybody would agree has the least collection of talent cumulatively for 53 man roster that I have seen in 20 years watching this team. And they destroyed Philadelphia. And like, we're giving Kyler Murray his flowers today, but it's also confirmation of something you said on the post game show yesterday. It's just like, I've seen enough from Jonathan Gannon this year. I've seen enough from Nick Rallis. And I had somebody text me today that's pretty well connected with the team that said, don't be surprised. He's not going to get a job, but Nick Pet- Drew Petzing is going to get head coaching interviews this offseason. Mm. Based on if you just take a 5,000-foot view of the Cardinals and what they've done offensively. I mean, people are going to go game by game, but it's like, how did the Cardinals beat Dallas? Oh, how did the Cardinals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? The Cardinals are what in rushing? Who's even on their team? Drew Petzing will get a head coaching interview this offseason. He's not going to get a job, but like that, that is a clear, clear coup for John and the Gann and putting the staff together, and it's it's everything that I think Nick Sirianni was unable to do this year is like Gannon put together his staff. He ran with it. We we had known throughout the offseason. Petsing was his number one choice for an offensive coordinator. I was at Disneyland with the Nick Rouse news broke. I couldn't believe they had gotten Nick Rouse away from Philadelphia. Like, and the fact that they get to now build on all this in year two, like 
everybody can see you don't have to squint too hard. Like if if they push the right buttons this offseason, this is unequivocally a playoff team next year. You cannot tell me otherwise. In the NFC with a fourth place schedule, of course they can win nine to ten games. Yeah. How about how about with you and I in our belief, you know, in Kyler Murray, you know, that he that he can do it, that he can get back to playing at a high level. When he came back in the you were given information that the organization believed that they could play close to 500 ball, ball with Kyler Murray. They said like, uh, you know, there's the expectation that they can go like three and five, four and four. And we kind of scoffed at it. He's three and four now, Johnny. He's three and four. And, and against teams you did not expect them to right. beat. Like, I think we thought you could beat Houston. You could beat Chicago. Yeah. They fucking lost those games. They yeah. beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh and Philadelphia at they Philadelphia. They the state of Pennsylvania, I believe. I had a text message from somebody close to Gannon saying that there's like, like they they think that they could have, potentially have a winning record with Kyler Murray, and I'm like, what what are you talking about? Look at their <laughs> schedule, and it's like they were right. Like everybody just assumed like this team's tanking. They're just you know secure that draft pick. I'm yelling sick Kyler Murray against the Seahawks. It's like, listen that. If they beat Seattle this weekend, yes, it like their draft stock is going to take a hit. I, they're still be they'll still be in the top ten. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But like four and four with Kyler Murray against four four playoff teams potentially. Now you knock Seattle out, and I don't know what's happening with Atlanta. But four teams in a, the position to make the playoffs. Everybody's got something to play for, and there are people in this fan base that feel like it's it's the wrong move to run it back with him next year. I, I just I just can't I can't take you seriously. Yeah. Watching a kid from the ACC complete fifty percent of his throws, and what like uh, Michael Penix looks great tonight. Watching Hobbs the other day. I mean, I can't you know credit every every person with a Twitter account. And, and it helped. I mean, but do you watch football? I mean, have you have you seen the the arm talent? Like, can can you decipher the difference between a really good quarterback and you know a below average quarterback? And and to just say, well. You know, the, the stats were average going into Philadelphia. It's like, well, Philadelphia fucking counts. Uh, and Philadelphia was, you know, really what Kyler Murray needed to do. And, and what he did in the second half proved, I think, you know, not only that he's the quarterback presently for the Arizona Cardinals, he's the quarterback of the future for the Arizona Cardinals. And, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, and if you want to start to talk about, you know, stats and comparing stats, you know, Joshua Dobbs, as admirable as his performance was here, especially, you know, given the circumstances, he won a, one football game. Kyler Murray's won three. One and eight. Yeah. I just, people say, like I had somebody tell me I'm overblowing it. The Kyler Murray, like helping his coach beat his former team. Like, do you, like, do you not understand like the, the emotions of, of life and the fact that like Jonathan Gannon, and his name was was like sullied by that franchise and that fan base. The, the franchise allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. And Kyler Murray coming off a torn ACL practice pup window open in November goes into Philadelphia and lights up his former team and helps him get a victory. Like they just they are intertwined indefinitely. Like if if you tell me otherwise, you you are not to be taken seriously. Well, number one, you're not tapped into this situation. Number and and they were they were sticking together for the most part, I believe, even if that game had not ended the way it was. For sure. Kyler Murray came out and had a mass second half. Like I still think they would have weighed their options and, and stuck with Kyler Murray. I mean, just the, the clip 
we talk about with JG that's on our on our Twitter of like he was number one told me we're gonna get the get the ball and we're gonna win the game. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a franchise quarterback. That's a guy that you feel like you can go in next year into San Francisco, into LA, into Dallas if you had to, and you can win a game. And because we, we've seen it, Kyler Murray, we've seen go into Dallas and secure an NFC uh, a playoff berth a couple of years ago. We've seen Kyler Murray Sunday Night Football outduel Russell Wilson in overtime, like. Drake May, Caleb Williams, they're good prospects. They, they're they 100% unproven. When's the last time Trevor Lawrence or, or Justin Herbert, those guys have won big games? I mean, like yesterday, like it's it's crazy. People will scoff at this. That, that felt like a playoff game yesterday. Just with everything that was at stake for Philadelphia and then internally everything that was at stake for Jonathan Gannon and then this franchise wanting reassurance on Kyler Murray. There was so much at stake yesterday. Records be damned. Came through when he needed to. I mean, and, and to do it in, in the fashion that that they were able to accomplish it with the uh, with the four consecutive drives. I mean, did, did Mahomes even do that in the Super Bowl to to the to the Eagles? Like, Cannon was able to go in no, there. I think he gave up two second half touchdowns or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was just it was it was for a team that had nothing to play for. It was a. It was a hell of a good time. That that really feels like it's the consensus across the fan base. Like everybody's like, picks be damned. You know, this that was that was that was worth it. Like not often can you get up and, and get a fan base kind of galvanized by the fourth win of the season, but but that'll do it for you. Like to to, to with with all with all with, with knowing the full context of it. And most people do, and, and that's fantastic. Now let's get into this draft conversation a little bit and do we have to? All right, let's I mean, do it. It wasn't too crazy. And I think, you know, a day later, I I mean, I don't I don't think anything that I said, I don't I don't think I would I'm backtracking at all. I mean, here's what I believe about Marvin Harrison Jr. He's the best prospect at his position, right? But he's not the only prospect at the position of wide receiver that uh can help an organization in the 2024 draft. And that's just a draft alone. Like the Arizona Cardinals are going to have opportunities to improve their wide receiver core beyond this season. And they're going to have to, right? I mean, it's it's going to be necessary that Monty Osterford has some urgency this offseason in approaching it from every angle, whether it's trade market, free agency, retaining some players, letting some players walk, and then really hitting the draft, hitting you know uh, undrafted rookie free agents, and, and really kind of just scouring the market every way he can. And, you know, it, it helps watching Roma Dunze go crazy against Texas in the college football playoff semifinal. And as you mentioned, you know, the duo in LSU, including Malik neighbors, um, like they're going to have an opportunity to really improve their wide receiver position And like, yeah, it sucks to miss out on a generational type talent, but there's some things kind of bigger than that. And this team's too damn competitive to just lay down because of an opportunity to draft a player, and it's also like there is a path to Marvin Harrison Jr. still at four. There is, there is like, listen, the Cardinals lose to this this weekend in Seattle. They are an underdog. They have not won an NFC West game this year, and I Seattle is just infinitely better coached than Philadelphia. This they lose to Seattle, and the Patriots beat the Jets, and the Jets don't beat the Patriots for the first time in eight years, 2015. The Cardinals are picking third again, and if you buy into the narrative that Chicago is going to take Caleb Williams. And Washington, or it would take Drake May. That would leave Marvin. I mean, there's still a path to Marvin Harrison Jr. And and you know, 
for the sake of this conversation, I, I will remove that reality from uh, a po- possibility. We're going to break it down all week. But I think where it hurts me, not from the, the Marvin Harrison Jr. aspect of it singularly, but like the fact that let's say the Cardinals pick fourth and the Bears are picking one and the Bears have an opportunity if Washington's picking three or New England or whomever could do a mini trade back, recoup picks, and still get Marvin Harrison. Like I, I wanted that to be a reality for the Cardinals, where you could trade down and get a one or a couple twos and then still get Marvin. Having said that, I mean, this quarterback class, I still think c- could present options with Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr. is going off right now. There could be opportunities for the Cardinals to do a minor trade down still. You know, the, this tackle class, and I don't, I don't want to rain on DJ Humphreys being injured. I, you know, I put a tweet out today. It got ratioed. I was, I think DJ Humphreys has been terrific for the Cardinals this year, given the expectations. People are like, have you watched him? He's been terrible. No, I get. He's played 15 games. Yeah. He's gotten better every week. Think about how many different offensive line combinations they've had at left guard. And they, the Cardinals do not give out a bunch of robust sacks. He was kicking ass and taking names yesterday. I mean, he and Paris Johnson Jr. destroyed Philadelphia's defensive line. He's been terrific. I should have said like the last half of the year because he started slow. I, you've, we've talked about this on trending up, trending down for the past six weeks. DJ Humphries has been fantastic. Having said that, and you talked to John and Gannon today, sounds like his knee injury is pretty serious, mm-hmm. and the Cardinals could have an opportunity to pivot, save, save a good amount of money if they moved off of him. There are, just like there's a generational wide receiver, I believe there are one to two, if not generational, high-end, blue-chip, top-five tackles that are going to be available. And I I look at how the Cardinals won yesterday. And if you're removing Marvin Harrison Jr. out of the equation, I had people tweeting at me, Malik Napers and Roma Dunsey, and I get that. The Cardinals are winning these December-January games because of their offensive line. Mm-hmm. And it is too damn enticing for me to say we could have franchise tackles for 10 years and win football games like this for a decade and have Kyler Murray be upright, which is the most important thing. I'm going all in with that. Like I I'm leaning on Austin Ford, find receiver help later, maybe in the first round, second round, you know, whatever, do what you got to do. If I'm removing Marvin Harrison jr. From the equation, there is not a reality where I am not taking one of these two tackles because I think, and I'll, I'll quit my rant after this. The offensive line is the MVP of this season. Jalen Thompson is the best individual player, I believe, or maybe maybe James Conner, although he's missed time. The best unit this year is the offensive line. That That's a great unit, but I believe it's, it's maybe the best coach unit on the team. You're telling me that I can double down on the strength with a generational prospect, and I know they're going to be well-coached. Paris Johnson Jr. hasn't missed a snap this year. He's fantastic. I'm doing that. I, I can feel good about that situation, you know, five months ahead of the draft sitting here right now today. It's beautiful. I mean, if, if you can get me on board to just building in the trenches, like that's that's something that I've wanted to see this organization do for a long time. And if if they did it this year and, and they just did it by uh, with the stick and pick formula and they just take the, the best tackle in this class, which is, you know, rock solid if not you know one of the best classes we've seen we've heard that yeah i mean you take an olu fashion out of penn state and i know you're more of a joel guy but it's coke versus dr pepper they're both good it's just whatever you're you know you're geared towards whatever your taste buds respond better to so man 
it's going to be to to have created the momentum that they have. And I know Jonathan Gannon doesn't believe in momentum, but to to have really kind of opened the eyes to a fan base during such a tough rebuild to tear it down truly to the studs and and really kind of have the direction shown of, of where this organization is going. As you said, like to have the draft capital, to have the cap space, uh, and, and to feel confident you got the right decision makers in place. I mean, it's exciting. It really is exciting. And to just, you can trust what that guy, what Monty Ossifort's going to do, like as far as at the top of the draft, whatever his decision may be, taking the top tackle, taking a wide receiver, trading out, creating, you know, getting more, more assets. And, and that's because it, it's, it's going to be, you know, beyond this. I mean, it's what San Francisco does it, it, up until, you know, the Trey Lance draft. And then they got back to it. Um, it's what good organizations do. They, they, they don't even just set themselves up for success that season, but success, success beyond that consistent, uh, sustainable success. They have five picks right now in the top 69. They've got four, 17, 35, 66, 69. And then they've got, um, Houston's pick in the third, which is 81 right now. I mean, with this class, this receiver class, like go go get another starter. Find somebody that can complement what Michael Wilson does. Which four starters in that in that range. He found he found four starters between took sixth and he went all the way down to 96th. And you can argue that they're all four starters right now in Paris Johnson Jr., BJ Ujulari. Garrett Williams, who they got, you know, pretty decent news that he just rolled an ankle yesterday. Uh, it wasn't a knee thing again. And then Michael Wilson, who reemerged after being quiet for a couple games, since returning. I looked at his stats real quick. He missed, like, he didn't. He had no impact in two games. Like a lot of people were like, "Where has he been for half the season?" Like he had a couple catches against Houston in, in Atlanta. I, I, I think, I, f- I feel good about where he's at. We're going to talk about Greg Dorch as the week progresses, but I mean, they got, they got some mojo, man. They got some serious juice. And um, as much as it would hurt their draft stock, a couple picks, you can't tell me they're not going to go out with their hair on fire trying to beat Seattle this weekend. I mean, I, I, I think it means more to them than anybody else to go 500 with Kyler Murray with this roster. I, I, I think that, I think that that would mean, more to them than than any draft pick right now. Seeing this t- retweet that you just put out there uh, as we record this, some some guy going crazy loves this wide receiver class. Ten to twelve wide receivers can go in the first round. Look, that might be hyperbole. I mean, that might be a, a bit rich, but this is a deep wide receiver class. Like they could add two people just from the draft alone, and this that position is going to get better. So, Imani, you trust, right? Money mock draft coming this week. It's going to be beautiful. Um, but man, still, still riding the high on a victory Monday. To uh, we, kick off. we deserve First it. Twenty twenty four. How about that? You deserve it, Cardinal fans. Uh, Bo and I are back Tuesday live show. Let's see if we can get our friend Brian Baldinger on. He was at the game. He was on the sideline, mixing it up with Cardinals and Eagles alike, and I think his insight would be all the more valuable. On mm-hmm. Tuesday's show, Bo. Absolutely. You can talk to Baldy. Uh, we got, uh, of course, all-purpose podcasts here from the big-time playmaker. 
himself, Greg Dortch, just massive plays down the stretch for the Arizona Cardinals. One of his finest games of the season, seven catches, 83 yards, including the uh, the big catch to set up the go-ahead score late in that game. Greg Dortch, all-purpose podcast. Don't miss it tomorrow. Take it around 1230 or 1. Make sure you're following on social at PHNX underscore Cardinals uh, when we lock in that time on Tuesday. For Bo Brock, Johnny Venerable, like and subscribe. We'll see you on Tuesday. We all silly like the mayor. 